if you can go through life experimenting and trying different things, it, it makes your life so much richer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Short Story Long. I want to start with some new news. Um, first thing is I started a YouTube series with my business partner, Dee Murthy, who's been on this podcast, has been my business partner in Young and Reckless for the last nine years and has been in the apparel business, investing business, all sorts of business for the last, I don't know, 15 years. Um, him and I have a really big hobby of sitting around, talking shit, talking about what's going on in the industry, talking about what's going on in pop culture, just all things, all things. Um, so we decided to start a weekly series where we sit down and we do that for you guys. And we're trying to keep it as real as possible as sort of real information behind the scenes, real knowledge, try to give as much facts as we know. It, it, it's different than any other sort of recap show. And there's not really any recap uh, news shows like this about things like Complex Con and what's going on in the battle between Nike versus Adidas and all things Kanye and all of these issues that you don't really hear a good educated recap on. We are here to give you that. So the title of the show is Group Chat. It will, as of right now, it'll post every uh, Thursday morning. We have one episode up. There's a new episode that will drop tomorrow morning. Go to youtube.com slash drama drama and subscribe. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Also, we uploaded it in podcast form for all of you diehard podcast lovers. If you just search group chat on iTunes, you will find it. Um, check it out. Going really well. First episode got a lot of really good feedback. I'm super excited about it. I've always tried to figure out how to incorporate news um, and just sort of pop culture relevant topics into this podcast. There's not really a place for it. So this is our way to do that. Next up is I'm starting a newsletter, especially after talking to Tim Ferriss, who's on next week's podcast. Um, he has a lot of success with his newsletter. It's a very engaged thing. It's something that you guys can sign up for and just get little bits of information. It's something that I want to try out. So the way to sign up for the newsletter is go to YNR, the letters, YNR dot LA slash drama. There's a little sign up sheet there. You just put in your email. I'm going to send that out every week, every Thursday, um, and just give updates. Like just give, here's the new podcast. Here's what I thought about it. Here's a new book I'm reading. Here's a new vitamin pack I'm trying. Here's a new exercise I'm trying. Whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do. I really want to keep sharing this information. I think that that's the best place to do it. So, YNR.LA slash drama. We'll get you to the sign-up page of that newsletter. Um, this week on the podcast, we have AJ Jacobs. AJ Jacobs is an author. He's a really, really interesting author. And the way that he goes about writing his books and what he does to write these books is pretty insane. He's sort of somewhat of a human guinea pig. He... Um, tries these crazy experiments on himself and then writes about him. Um, he's written about, he has a book called The Year of Living Biblically, where he lived an entire year exactly as the Bible tells you to live. Grew a beard out, only wore certain clothes that were approved, um, was grateful for everything. I believe in, uh, it's said that he tried to actually stone a man for committing adultery. I, that didn't go too well. Um, He's done that. He has done uh, My Outsourced Life, which was an article for Esquire where he 
outsource everything, uh, assistance, everything to India. And there's services that do that. Um, anyway, over and over and over, he's done multiple of these things. He's also an editor for Esquire. He writes a lot of articles for Esquire. He's written books. Um, and his new book is called It's All Relative. And it's essentially tracking down how every human on earth is related and how they're related and tracking that down. And could you essentially make a family tree of every human being on earth? And the answer is yes, but it hasn't been done. And he's on the search to sort of do that. So anyway, he grew up in New York. Really interesting story. We went through his story relatively quickly because I wanted to get into the books, the lessons he learned, the things that he's learned from doing these different exper uh, experiments. And there's a lot of cool little info in here. A lot of stuff that I think will make you think and will make you want to go check these books out. So that's who we got this week. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. As always, don't forget to leave me some positive feedback on the iTunes store, the podcast app on your phone. Write me on Instagram at drama is the best place to find me. Write me. Let me know what you think. Send me a DM. Comment on the photos. Whatever it is, I'm checking them. Um, and as always on youngandreckless.com for podcast listeners only. I do the promo code SSL, which gets you 40% off all full-priced items. So that's it. YouTube.com slash drama drama. Subscribe. Check out group chat. YNR.LA slash drama. Subscribe to the newsletter. First one goes out tomorrow morning. And thank you to each and every one of you for listening, sharing, telling your friends, and being part of the short story long army. Here we go. This week, AJ Jacobs, short story long. The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product. Can you tell somebody that they suck? You gotta just go for This it. is exactly what I want to do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it scares you, you should probably do it. Good content is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. All right, here we are. Welcome back to Short Story Along. Another guest uh, that we have a mutual friend with uh, of Ryan Holiday. And Ryan I will Holiday. say Ryan not only killed it on this podcast he's been on it twice but he sent me multiple guests and he just nails it he knocks it out of the park i'm gonna have to start paying him as like a talent scout um <laughs> and he just know I, he just really understands obviously he's a really smart guy he really understands kind of what this podcast is about and who would be good for it and you my friend are the latest ryan holiday suggestion man that's a lot of pressure i don't want to ruin his no, that's reputation good. but no pressure okay. but the last one was tim ferris <laughs> <laughs> Who um, I know, and who actually, yeah, uh, yeah. I, he, uh, I wrote a chapter of his book. You did. So there you, you go. So it's all in the same family. Exactly. Um, A.J. Jacobs, uh, you just came out with a new book, It's All Relative. Um, and we'll get into it, but you've done a lot of really interesting books. You're somewhat of a human guinea pig, uh, which Indeed. on your on yourself Yep. It's the, uh, your approach. I do love it. I love to make, uh, yeah, experiment on myself. Make myself miserable sometimes, yeah. but all for the greater good. Can I ask you? I'm probably asking this way too early in the interview, but what was which? What was the most miserable self experiment? Well, I did one where I tried to follow all the rules of the Bible for yep. a year as literally as possible. I saw so that. not just the Ten Commandments, but like I had to grow a huge beard, and I had to 
I couldn't wear clothes made of mixed fibers. And uh, yeah, that had moments that were wonderful and that stay with me. And I, you know, changed my life for the better. Yeah. Also, tons of stuff that was just miserable. miserable. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I had this huge beard and my wife wouldn't kiss me for mm -hmm. seven months because mm -hmm. she found it so like, you know, she said it was like, you know, uh, pubic hair on the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I disagree because I like, you know, I washed it and conditioned it, yeah. but it was still not enough. Yeah, I, I understand. It seems like it'd be pretty... Uh off-putting yes you know what i mean i mean this was actually it was a few years ago and the the brooklyn beard phase uh -huh. trend was just beginning yeah. so in some settings i could pass yeah but it were... really was quite a crazy like down to my solar plexus very jesus like, like. very jesus yeah. very, or ted kaczynski or yeah. you know you name it <laughs> it's funny like, there's a lot of good people a lot of really bad with beards That's you true. know i mean you can't a beard you doesn't got santa quite... claus on one end and God, like, it's so true you've got uh terrorists on the other. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what i how i usually start on here is i go through uh stories and i want to make sure that we leave enough time to kind of cover all the writing that you've done because it's really interesting to me and I think that not only me but everyone listening can learn a lot from these exper well, experiments that you've done. I learned through. a lot so hopefully they yeah. can too. Um, but what I usually do is go through your story. So where are you from? I grew up in New York City. In the like city? In the city city in city. Manhattan uh, and I you know I was thinking about it uh, the only interesting thing to me about my childhood aside from you know that I was miserable and neurotic like most <laughs> kids i feel yep. childhood they make it seem so innocent uh, it's I... just not it's a war zone, <laughs> it's a war zone. <laughs> but i do remember i was curious about everything and i would do even then like when i was in high school i remember i lived a block away from the new york scientology celebrity center oh man so i i remember going in there just see what it was all about oh, you did you went and poked around yeah well i let you know yeah it was weird though it was <laughs> weird because they showed me all this propaganda and then they left me in a room alone to watch this propaganda movie but i was like i'm gonna you know sneak out no one's watching me and i snuck out and went to another floor and i was in this beautiful office like bigger than this uh -huh. oak oak desk with a captain's hat on it and it said l ron hubbard on the uh on the little nameplate you went into his office yeah but he had been dead like 10 years but they just left it and they yeah i was like what's up and the, and they were like they caught me and they're like what are you doing i was like well is elron coming and they they were like <laughs> where's elron <laughs> and they said no but if he ever returns to his body we want to be ready so apparently at every celebrity center they have a oh it's uh, in everyone yeah they've got an office for elron so that i guess was my only only thing that uh, set me apart or was interesting was that I was hugely curious and would do hugely these curious, things. Yeah. How yeah. old were you when that happened, you said? I think I was 14. Yeah, that's pretty bold. Like, even you walked in by yourself to the... I, I did. I knew enough to give him a fake name because otherwise I'm sure I'd still be getting letters and that's like, you smart, know. man. And they tell, you know, you take the test and they tell you how horrible your life is. And They let a 14-year-old do that? Yeah. Like a fourteen-year-old can walk in there by himself, and they'll be like, "Listen, kid, you guys, what are they called? Thetans or yeah, Thetan. I don't yeah. even remember Thetans they the e-meter. I had to hold these things, that, and they didn't ask where your parents were. Uh, no, I think they were just happy to have. <laughs> Listen, they'll take anyone who might potentially have some earning power. Oh, shit. Uh, That's amazing. But um, yeah, so that was, and that. was that like a reoccurring the curiosity factor? Was that a reoccurring? 
thing throughout your childhood? Like, did you wander into I, a lot of weird places? I feel I did. I remember like freshman year of college, I went to Graceland for the 20th anniversary of Elvis's death mm-hmm. and just saw the amazing, because that it was like going to Mecca yeah. during the Hajj. It was like religious people were like weeping and it was a religious experience for them. Wow. And that actually inspired a little it's not a real book. It was like a novelty book, but I wrote a book about the eerie similarities between Jesus and Elvis, uh, inspired by that experience. And they were just acting that way because they were so passionate about Elvis. Yeah, it is like the cult of Elvis. I mean, it is. Uh, wow. It is a religion. It yeah. is. They saw this guy. They really like. You know, his life gave them meaning. That's insane. It was. Holy it was cow. insane. Um, so that happened a lot. Did you have brothers and sisters? I did. I have a sister, uh-huh. and she is uh, she's a delightful woman. And yeah. she older or younger? She's older. She um, she lived in Peru for a while and worked in the soup kitchen. So she is she's good oh, wow. because she has a like a heavy duty conscience, making the world a better place. And I feel that she's brought me over. Like yeah. I don't think I had thought about anyone else. Until I was like maybe 32. Yeah. I was just a selfish bastard. And now I feel <laughs> I'm, I'm still probably a selfish, petty bastard, but less of one. Yeah. And I work on it a lot. What are, your par- like, what are your parents like? It just seems like to have two uh, children. Like if I had two children and one of them was in Peru working on soup kitchens and the other one was experimenting on himself and putting it into best-selling novels i would be incredibly proud like what like did they do something that like you think gave you guys that weird quality like that i don't want to call it weird but that good quality or well i think i mean part of it is the unconditional like support yeah that like my mom like you know i think it's got its pros and cons if your mom is always telling you you're a genius you're the greatest person like it can be warping yeah but it's also good for the confidence so there's that. And I also am inspired by my dad because he is a, a quirky guy. Like he is a lawyer, but he holds the world's record for the most number of footnotes in a law article, 4,812. Like, there's no reason for that except he wanted to be different and and stand out and yeah. have some legacy. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to. And then some other guy tried to beat him and then he doubled it. And so that's incredible. He, he's a good character. God, and he's in so my books. Cool. I write about him a lot because he, he inspires me too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the ideas I get just from looking around at my family. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and what about like when you were younger and going through like high school and stuff like that, did you have any sort of signs of this writing future or like what were you into? I did love reading and write. I was an obsessive reader and write. Um, but I also thought... It was impossible. It just seemed like a pipe dream. Yeah. So I am, and we can talk about this later, just how it goes from that to reality. Because I still feel incredibly lucky that yeah. I'm, at least for now, able to make a living yeah. doing this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, when I went to college, I, I majored in introductory courses. Uh-huh. That's not literally a major, but I took every intro to every, like intro to linguistics. Because I love the idea of knowing multi, like cross disciplinary. I think as a, a culture, we often get way too specialized, yeah. and the best ideas 
come from mixing up yeah. different and I found that in my life. So I then the eight night I wrote a book where I read the encyclopedia and one of the things that struck me was in the 19th century all these guys these great guys who were like uh, into everything this like Goethe uh -huh. the writer uh -huh. he was his resume was like 42 pages long he was a lawyer he owned a theater company he designed costumes he was an expert in irrigation schemes. He was like a color scientist. It was just insane. Yeah. And he was so inspiring to me. Like, you don't have to, if you can go through life yeah. uh, experimenting and trying different things, it, it makes your life so much richer. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like sometimes um, a lot of people, I understand the theory behind becoming really good at one thing. And I think that you definitely have to do that in some way, right? But I think that like that advice taken wrong can lead a lot of people to being very close-minded. Mm. You know what I mean? I totally, I mean, yes, I agree with you on both of those. You do need depth, but not at the expense of breath. You should do yeah. try your best to do both. Because I do think the really, you know, we're getting to a space where the ideas need to, to come from different. Yeah, Our problems are so difficult in this yeah. world. We yeah. need... Uh, people who are versed in different areas yeah. to combine them. And it's easier to get the information now than ever before, right? Like, I feel like right. maybe like 20 years ago, if you wanted to become an expert at something, it might have taken more time and more research and more, you know what I mean? Like, now right. you can become an expert in some things in three hours on Google. You totally. Know what I mean? um, and but, I like to force myself to read stuff that I am not interested in. Yeah. Uh, and you become interested. Yeah. I once interviewed Alex Trebek, the mm -hmm. Jeopardy host. Mm -hmm. And I still remember his quote, which made no sense, but I still love it. He said, I'm curious about everything, even those things that I don't care about, uh -huh. which I uh -huh. thought was nice. It's like, yes, be curious, even if you have no, in, like accounting. I That's one of my next, I want to really dive in and see what is, I know nothing about it. And yeah. it's like the stereotypically most boring yeah, it is. topic, but I bet there's some fascinating stuff in there. I don't know, man. I follow up. Let me know what you find in there. Cause I have a feeling, I have a feeling you're going to pop out the other side and be like, Nope, it, it was exactly what we thought it was. <laughs> um, I will let, I'm going to, that'll be a challenge. I'm going to get you interested yeah, in yeah. accounting. I, I like it. Um, and then what college? You went to Brown, right? Yeah, I went to Brown. Got it. And why did you choose? Why there? Well, honestly, since uh, I know this show, you embrace honesty. I it sure was, do. It is not uh, my proudest moment, but I went there as a high school senior, and uh, I took ecstasy. Mm -hmm. This was very early on. They called it MDMA back yep. then. Yep. And I was like, this is the greatest school ever. Like That's what happened. Yeah. And I was like, we went to the cafeteria and I was like, this is, this food is awesome. Are you kidding? You get this turkey tetrazzini every day. And I was like, I got to come here. So that's, that's really, I don't oh recommend God, that to amazing. my kids or uh, anyone as a way to choose a college. I mean, colleges should do that to the people visiting. I know. You know what I mean? Like, here's your water. Totally. Uh, go it's ahead and a, stir it around a little bit, and then we'll show you around the college. It is a great recruitment yeah. uh, strategy. <laughs> that's I agree. incredible. <laughs> so then you decided, you just fell in love with it there, and you decided that's where you're going, and you went. And when you went, you di so you didn't have, obviously, like, a big major in mind. Like, you were like, I just No, I was, I did major in philosophy, which I am, I am glad I did, even though, you know, I graduated, and not a huge job market in philosophy but yeah. as you know ryan 
loves philosophy yeah, and some yeah. of my favorite thinkers. I love it just because, you know, it is the base. Like you, you know, you think about the 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 most important stuff, and then you can build your yeah. your thoughts from yeah. there. So I am I am glad, despite its absurdity, yeah. that I majored in philosophy. Yeah. So then, um, take me into how you you know you kind of said before, unless I'm missing anything big, um, but I want to make sure we have enough time to cover the books. We, like you said before, you kind of always thought that being a writer and being able to really make money writing was sort of a pipe dream, and then something kind of changed your mind. Like when did that happen? Well, I just I decided I would give myself a year, maybe two at the most, and after if, after college, college, after grade, and uh, that if I couldn't make a start making a living, then I would give up and get, you know, go to law school or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I started as a freelance writer. And the key was that I was somehow okay with rejection because the rejection uh, ratio was like seriously 99%. Yeah. I mean, even now as a writer, I, I feel like I've, I've been able to accomplish something, but I still get rejected all the time and yeah. you have to be okay with that. So the idea I was, I was and hopefully still am of, uh, very prolific at generating ideas. I'm not going to say they're good ideas, <laughs> like 90% of them suck. Yeah. Uh, but the key is to really, I do try to spend 15 minutes a day just coming up with ideas, yeah. knowing that half of, not half, most of them are going to suck. But do you have a, sorry, do you have a routine to that? Do you have a, is there like a time, like an idea generation hour that yes. you do? Uh, not an hour. I wish sorry, I had an hour. And I do have, I try to surround myself with books or magazines that are sort of the jungle gym for my mind to yep. play with. And I'll, sometimes it will be very specific. I'll be like, I need to come up with a new book idea uh -huh. or a new article. Sometimes it's just, I want to exercise my brain like I'm going to the gym. So mm -hmm. I'll take a random topic like, you know, snowman, and then I'll just start riffing on it like, you know, snowman what about snow woman what about snow transgender non-binary person <laughs> yeah. uh oh and he's smoking a pipe maybe he could smoke uh, like do vaping and and as i as you can see there most of those suck if not all of them <laughs> i had a transgender snowman that's smoking a vape it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> You're very nice. i gotta say <laughs> well i appreciate that um but yeah so uh, and even if i never use any of them uh i feel that it keeps the brain limber and uh you can't it, it helps just in life it helps in uh solving problems in life and the, and there are the occasional ones the ones i know when i like a week later i'll be like oh yeah that idea i came up with that and it still resonates yeah it still resonates a week later a month later yeah and i'm like all right i'm gonna pursue this because it might have something that's cool is there a um is there a specific like time of the day that you do it like you do it every day at a certain time or anything like that or just kind of whenever you can allot i do minutes? try i i should it's a good idea yeah. i should cho choose a time but it's usually af right during or after lunch got it uh that's just when I you think, find you're the most your wheels are spinning the best it's when i like you know i have time because i should you know i'm eating so i have a little time to, yeah but the i do think i I mean, one of the keys, this is not going to come as a big shock, is turning off all electronics. Yeah. Because, yep. uh, you know, they can just tug you down. It's like, so true. If you, if you spend your day reacting, yep. then your day will just fly by. 
By the way, this is off topic. Go ahead. But I just looked at your Memento Mori tattoo. Yes. And I am a huge fan of Memento Mori. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. And Ryan, so then Ryan, I had it. And then Ryan made those little coins. Did you see those oh, coins? Yeah, I think yeah. I have it over there. But he um he sent me one of the coins that you keep with you every day to like remind you. Mm. Um but yeah, me too. But I will say what happened to me is I kind of got it. I read about it a little bit. I got it because I just loved it right away. And then it almost more started, you know, then I found out Ryan was really into it. Then my other friend had a memento mori tattoo. And it's almost like I got into it more after mm, I actually got the interesting. tattoo. Interesting. But yeah, I'm, this is one that I'm really uh See, I don't have a tattoo, but on my desktop, I have uh, a little skull like they used to have in um, in like medieval paintings or Renaissance painting. And I didn't want a depressing, scary skull because I'm not so goth. But I so I got like this fun, colorful, psychedelic skull. But it still gets the point across. Hundred percent. Like sometimes people ask me what it means, and I'm like, oh shit, because it's not going to come. You know, if somebody has no idea, it doesn't come off well. You know what I mean? Like, remember, you're going to die. Like, uh, all right, we'll see you later then. Good talk. You know what I mean? That is, you know, one of my one of my favorite parts of the encyclopedia that I read uh-huh. was about uh, triumph rituals that the Romans did. So when a, a general would come back to Rome from conquering another country, yep. they would have a huge parade, yep. you know, about this. And yep. they had had a slave who would walk behind him whispering in his ear, you're just mortal. You're going to die. Yep. You're not so great. Yep. And I just love that. That idea. was one of the stories that I read when I first was reading about this. Really? And I was like, that's so cool. You know, there was one that said they would have a sign that would say memento mori or, a, you know, or whisper that to them or remind them. And it's just interesting, but really cool. It you know? is. Uh, I mean, I find it, you could say it's like depressing and, uh, but I find it the opposite. It's like, yeah, I agree. It definitely helps me enjoy life more. Yep. Agreed. A hundred percent. Um, so when was the big break in writing? Like when was when did it start working? Well, I would say, I mean, weirdly, I, I worked at a tiny newspaper mm-hmm. um, and put in my time and, uh, uh, you know, writing about any, I wrote a lot about sewage for some reason. That was a big deal. In like this how it worked? Small or? No, just like, you know, sewage taxes. And then huh? there was like another problem with the, you know, the water turned fluorescent green or something. So... But, you know, just regular, really nitty-gritty stuff. I wrote I wrote a, a humorous article, or allegedly humorous, <laughs> about uh, Jesus and Elvis yep. based on that experience. And that turned into an article. And I had the delusional optimism that it could be a book. Uh-huh. And I do think that's another key that I take away. Uh-huh. Like, you do need delusional optimism. And yep. uh, I know in writing, but I'm sure in almost every... Uh, every uh, yeah. career because you've got to, the odds are so stacked against you. But I had this delusional optimist, delusionally optimistic idea. It could be a book. I sent it out to a bunch of publishers and agents that I had no, never met. And one of them was like, you know what? This could be a book. And it turned into a book. And that was my first break. Holy cow. How cool. And at that moment, so you're, how old are you? 22 or something? Yeah, exactly. I was about 22, 23. And are you, were you just like thrilled? Like through oh, the yeah. roof? Like I'm, it this was is like it. the I, greatest moment. Of no my, law school? No, I was like, this <laughs> might actually work. Yeah. And again, to go back to the rejection, you know, I, I sent out literally a hundred letters blind. This is when you still sent letters. Yeah. And I got, I, I only got two, one tepid response and one positive response. 
I will tell you, this is the most depressing one. Uh-huh. Rejection was I got a one publisher said they were interested, but they wanted to see a photo of me. Just, and I was like, why? And they're like, well, you know, in case you we need you to go out and talk like on a talk show. I just want to make sure you don't have two heads or whatever. I was like, all right. So I sent them a photo and they got back to me two days later and like, we're going to pass. Oh and I'm like, what God. the hell? So I was, I was like, I'm not good looking <laughs> enough to be a writer. I thought you didn't have to be. I'm like, not trying to for a soap opera. So that was what a, a stupid thing. I can't believe that even is something that happens. It was, it happened. And it's, but again, it's like, you know what it is? What was good about it is that I was able to, I actually wrote about it in one of my books. Yeah. So when you have a humiliating failure, yeah. I do try to remember, this will be, let me use this as a story. Like, let me try to take yeah. advantage of it. Yeah, so true. And you have a great attitude about it. Because I will say, like, one reoccurring pattern in a lot of people's success stories is kind of that uh, that ability to withstand rejection and those negative things you know but i even myself even you know i i've been through it a decent amount trying to sell t-shirts to retailers and try you know a lot of people whatever but i still it's still it's still something that i have to remind myself of a lot yeah to not let bother me well I'll- I don't want to give the impression I'm immune to it. I rejection. know, but even the smallest things, I'll I be like, I still stew about it all the time. But yeah. I do try to remember that, you know, yeah. it is just a part of, uh, of the game. Of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and it's interesting because I have kids and I try to teach them the importance of rejection. And I think that I overemphasize it because I tell them every time something fails in my career, like, you know, hey, I tried to. The Wall Street General didn't like my article, so they're not going to print it. And I think they think I'm just a total loser because <laughs> I do forget to tell them. Like trying to teach them a lesson, and they're like, "Man, our dad's a loser." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talking got, to their friends, like, "Hey, did your dad by any chance get shut down?" <laughs> no, my dad's work has been great. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, all he does is he gets rejected. I don't yeah, know what yeah. his problem is. Yeah, I can't funny. believe we have anything to eat. No, oh, man. <laughs> um, how did that first book do? The Jesus and Elvis one, yeah. it it got a lot of press, yep. um, which is which was important. So I didn't, it didn't sell a lot of copies. But then, it allowed me to. I met some people who became, you know, in the publishing industry who became yes. fans. And so when I had a real book idea, yep. which was a, not till a couple of years later, uh, I was able to go back to one of them and say, "Here's my. What if I read?" the entire encyclopedia and tried to learn everything in the world and gain the wisdom of the ages. How, uh, what would that be? Would that maybe be a real book? And they was like, let's try it. So, and that one was successful. And did your mind, do you think just sort of naturally gravitate to like that sort of concept of like, let me just try things on my own? Like for instance, when you came up with the idea for the encyclopedia book, you didn't see it as like, oh, this will be my thing, right? Right. Like it just kind of was like, ah, what if I did this? Well, I think there are a couple of things going. I mean, one is I, I love to write, but my life was not, you know, I didn't have a father like uh, Frank McCord, uh, you know, who was an alcoholic in Ireland. Yeah. I had a pretty boring but lovely family. Yeah. So I was like, if I'm going to write about myself, I have to do something interesting and live it. Um, put myself in a weird situation. Another thing I like to do as a, just in car- terms of generating ideas, I like to take something and push it to the extreme. 
and say, what would it look like if we just went all out? And then, for instance, like we were talking before the, the show about outsourcing. Yep. I read about outsourcing like 15 years ago, 10 years, whatever it was. Yeah. And I was like, this is so interesting. What if I pushed it to the extreme and outsourced every single thing in my life? Yeah. Outsourced my phone calls, my emails, my arguments with my wife, reading bedtime stories to my kids. And that's the generation of that. And then I do it, and I know that some of it's going to be absurd, but yeah. I also know that some of it is going to be useful, and I can take that lesson and impart it to readers. Yeah. So that was the one of the first examples of that is like, I want to learn more. What's the most absurd, um, extreme example of that? Yeah. Reading the encyclopedia. Yeah. So how many pages... Did you read? It was 30,000 or something like 33, that? 33,000. And not just like regular. They were like, you know, telephone book size print. It was, yeah, I, my, I don't think I could do it now. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but yeah, my mind, I was like six hours a day. I would read, you know, in the subway or in the bathroom and, uh, and just. How long did it take? It took over a year, like about a year and a half, maybe. Have you ever taken like a speed reading? Course? I did as part of that. Did you? So part of the does book. Does it work is, or? Um, I do. Yeah, parts of it work. I mean, the idea is to look at it as a clump of words instead of looking at every word. So I still do that. Another good uh, tip from the speed reading yeah. is uh, definitely look at the whole article or book before you dive in yeah. to give you a structure so you're not just lost in the weeds. You know the forest. You have a so bird's like skim eye view. it, you mean? Like just sort of like here's where the chapters are? Yeah, and like... study the... The TOC, the Table of Contents. Yep. Study that. Oh, so you know where you're going. And you know it. where you're going. I find that very helpful. So yeah, I still good. do that to this day. I even because I've been trying to read. I've been reading more and more. Like two. I mean, I would say up until a few years ago, I didn't really read at all. Didn't read in my childhood. Whatever. I'm, I'm in a real good groove right now. I'm trying to read a book a week in a great groove. That's a great groove. But I even in the Tim Ferriss, uh, I've been thinking about speed reading and if that if it even worked or if it just kind of jumbles. Because when I try to read faster, I just don't soak in the information. Mm. But I saw even in the in the four hour work week where he just mentions reading it in two clumps, each sentence in two yeah. beginning and end, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then like even tracing with your finger helps to keep yeah. the speed, you know. But I just wondered if it were, you know, and I figured the perfect guy to ask is the sure. guy who's read 30,000 pages I in a did, year. <laughs> I definitely did some skimming. Um, so let me ask you this. I mean, so the premise of the book is you're going to read this entire thing, and that should, in theory, make you the smartest guy in the world. Exactly, which I knew was ridiculous. Yeah. I know that, no, like, like, just stuffing your brain with information. But I also knew that it would be interesting. And also, along with the knowledge that I would gain some wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're not synonymous, but they're in the same, yeah. they're related, they're like cousins. So I knew that it would be, and I also knew it would be a way to structure the book, which yeah. I think about structure all the time. So yeah. I knew I could do chapter A, chapter B, chapter C, chapter C, yeah. D. Uh, so, and it was, uh, again, it was painful at times, but also wonderful. And I do feel I came out of it, uh, not just with a book that, I enjoyed writing, but also some knowledge that made my life better. Yeah. So. And what were, the, what were some of the big like takeaways? Well, I would say a, a few. I mean, one t big takeaway is when you read about, there's this trope that the good old days, Yep. I mean, it's it's what got our, our president elected to make America great again. Yep. This nostalgia. 
for the good old the good old days sucked. Yeah. The good old days were disease ridden, smelly, uh, you know, sexist, racist, uh, dangerous, unpleasant. They did not. They were not good. And you know, just whenever I'm feeling down, I try to remember the phrase surgery without anesthesia. Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, Reading about need. that is like, yeah. oh my god. Or I mean, there are a thousand examples. This is one random one that just comes to mind. Well, when there was this cure called the tobacco enema, when people had something wrong with them in the 1800s, uh -huh. uh, doctors would literally take a hose, shove it up their butt, and then blow smoke up the up the hose, and that was supposed to cure. It's like Holy it is probably cow. the origin of the phrase "blow smoke up your butt." It is <laughs> literal <laughs> blowing, and it's like. Damn, I don't have to do that. Yeah, thank God. Thank God I don't <laughs> yeah. have someone blowing smoke Holy up my ass. Shit. So that's uh, amazing. So do you think that's like the main thing? Is it really just gave you this like new perspective? Well, that is one of many things. Yeah. Um, it gave me gratitude and uh, for all the problems we have now. Um, another one, uh, I actually wrote an article about this for LinkedIn, like the five business lessons I learned from the encyclopedia. Uh yeah. And I'm trying to, I'll just choose one at random. One was just what they call pivoting now. Uh -huh, That's uh -huh. been around since the beginning. Uh -huh. And it's so important. Flexibility. The people you read about in the encyclopedia had flexibility. They, If they were rigid and stayed with one thing, then they, they probably never made it to the encyclopedia. But something like even um, Welch's grape juice mm -hmm. started out because this guy hated alcohol. He was like, um, you know... A prohibition uh, fan, and he this this was a way to have Christian communion without alcoholic wine. That's how it started. That's how it started, and it, like Holy you know, it cow. sold like you know five bottles or whatever. So then uh, he's like, I got to do something, and he shifted. He's like, What if we market it to kids as like this delicious, uh, allegedly healthy treat? And then that's when it took off. Holy shit! So you got to have. You that's gotta, funny. I mean, who would have thought, like, I always thought, I think my parents used to give me grape juice at, like, uh, maybe New Year's, or, you know, as my fake alcohol. Who would have thought it actually started That's that? the way it started. <laughs> yeah. I know. I love reading about the history. Or, like, this one, this one is not an uplifting lesson, but it is useful. Like, being first is not always the best. Uh -huh. Like, Hydrox, uh -huh. you know, do you remember Hydrox? Yeah, yeah. They're, like, Oreos. They were first. Oh. I, I always thought they're like a ripoff of the Oreos. They, they're they really, but they were first, and Oreos came in and like. And gonna, Oreos just marketed better and just yeah. had better branding. It's like Facebook and MySpace. It yeah. was the Facebook and MySpace of the day. That's funny. No, I thought you were talking about something. I don't know. I thought you were talking about. I don't remember, but um, I don't even remember that company. Oh yeah, they were around, and then Oreos just crushed them. So you don't, which which saddens me because I'm a big fan of originality. But partly, yeah. but it does make you realize it's not all about the idea. It's a lot about the execution and marketing. That's true. So is that how you, the way that you structured that book, is it sort of like I read all of it and here's some of the lessons that I learned from That's a big it? part of it. I okay. mean, it's, I like my books. I like to blend them. So part of it is that part of it is adventures, like going on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or going to a Mensa convention. Uh -huh. Part of it is like memoir where I would take a this is where the structure comes in. I would take a word, like if it were in the chapter F for Freud, uh -huh. I would like talk about my you know relationship with my dad, yeah. and I could talk about that. So it was a mixture of 
the best, most useful facts, um, and then memoir and adventure. How cool. And that book was a huge hit. It was, thank God, yeah, yeah. It did well, which I... How cool. Which I feel very lucky. So I, was that like the real moment where, I know you, you sound like an incredibly humble guy, but like was that sort of the first moment where you're like, oh, like, I am a writer now? Yes, and that was, I was working at Esquire magazine at the time. Yep. Which How I did loved. that job come about? That job, I, I, I got a job at, um, I just worked my way, I worked at um, a small uh, New York newspaper called The uh, Observer, yep. and then I got a job at Entertainment Weekly, and here's why, uh, you know, I worked, I worked, I tried to be as creative and, and good as, as possible about Entertainment Weekly, even though I doesn't, didn't always care about like yeah. I was covering like boy bands sometimes, yeah. but like even then I'm like I'm gonna do the best job I can. And a guy from Entertainment Weekly moved to Esquire and recommended me to the editor. Right. So that's how it all. It's happened. just a pretty cool job. Like I don't know, it just seems cool. I I keep picturing uh, what was that Justin Timberlake movie where he's like the editor of a complex or something? Or not string, uh, oh yeah, no, no strings, strings attached? attached or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> well, sure it's a totally different picture. Wasn't quite as cool as that. But I'm I just paint this really cool like sure. New York editor at Esquire. Like it just seems really cool. <laughs> well, I will tell you one of the highlights of my life because wasn't Mila Kunis in yep. that? She, uh, it turns out, I was doing a profile of her for Esquire, and she requested me because she had read my book. Ah, that's amazing. And I was like, you know, that's it's cool. like, forget about my wedding and my kids. This <laughs> yeah. is, I'm this sailing is off the into moment. the sunset. Exactly. <laughs> my next book is about a, a writer who marries a celebrity. <laughs> and what does that, how does that next year exactly. play out? <laughs> I want to um, learn the lessons. So then that becomes a hit. So you... And the whole time, so you're writing articles for Esquire and you're working on books. That's kind of the flow at that right. time, right? I was definitely doing what, what they call the side hustle now. Yeah, that yeah, was before that phrase. But yeah, yeah it was, uh, and I was working my ass off. I mean, I definitely, I can't do that because I have kids anymore, but yeah. I was, I would work all day and then come home and work like until midnight yeah. and just, there was That's nothing single life. There's just a different, you have a different schedule when you, when you're not married. Yeah. You know well, no, I, mean? I was married. Actually. Oh, you were at the time. Oh, I was just know. kids. I didn't have kids. kids I was married. It. My wife was just very patient. Duh. Yeah, I don't think I could do that as a single guy because I was so stressed out trying to find <laughs> yeah, a girlfriend. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I really feel like that is the sweet spot. Like, I'm getting way off topic, but like, it's like when you're single, you're too busy stressing about being single. And when right. you have kids, you're too busy worrying about the kids. Like, exactly. the sweet spot is like when you have. Your girl locked in, but you don't have the kids to worry about. You can just work all day and all That's night. That's it. That was it's all. Yeah, it's downhill since then. Um, so then the was outsource my life next in the because that was was that that was just an article, not a book. That right? was an article for Esquire. Was that after Encyclopedia or was there a book in between? That was that? after Encyclopedia. That that came around because I was reading about you know Tom Friedman's book on how like the world is flat and all these huge banks outsourcing all their crappy stuff to uh to India so I hired this team of people in Bangalore India to do everything for me and, and they can turn, they'll do anything oh they did well I convinced them to yeah they <laughs> argued with my wife which was great because they Look, were give me, so, a, give me an idea of how, like what do you mean by that like, well I would my wife was like you know getting me on I forgot to go to the to a the ATM and get money. Yep. And I was like, I don't want to talk about that with you now, but let me get my outsourcers to do it. So I emailed them my arguments and it's like, you lost your wallet just two weeks ago. Why? 
So I was like, just tell her that and remind her. They censored me. They were like my my conscience, yeah. and they refused to do that. Instead, they just outright apologized. They were like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. And they sent her like this little cartoon of, of dancing bears. She loved it. It was the best thing for our relationship. <laughs> so, uh, But she knew. She knew it was yeah. them, yeah. but she was like, oh, thank you, honey. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was a great, because I got to just watch movies and read books while this was happening. They would email my boss. And it was funny because a couple of years later, uh, not, not even a couple, a year later, I got a call and he's this guy, he's like, I'm a first time writer. I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you give me some advice on writing, which I tried to do. I didn't, I did my best. And then he's like, and I also, I loved my, your, your article on my outsourced life. Can I print it in my book? And I was like, this guy, he's a first-time writer. He's going to sell like 200 copies. <laughs> I'm not going to be a dick and ask for money. So I was like, sure, sure. And then like a year later, he calls me back. Hey, just want to let you know it's number one on Amazon. I'm like, what do you mean number one like in 20-something? Yeah, what category? <laughs> yeah, career yeah. advice. He's like, no, it's number one. I'm like, what the hell? How did you do that? Uh -huh. So he, uh, he became an inspiration at marketing. Like, you know, obviously he's yeah. a genius at that. And that's uh, Tim Ferriss. Did you already say that's Tim Ferriss? Oh, yeah. That's Tim, Tim Ferriss. Ferriss. That's Four Hour Work Week was yeah. the name of the book. And um, and I will say, in the end, it was great for my career. I'm so glad I did it because a lot of his, he, you know, he's got millions of followers. Yeah. And yeah. they know they know me or were introduced to me from reading that chapter in his book about yes. outsourcing your life. So cool. And um, so... That's something before I read Four Hour Work Week that I didn't even know happened. I didn't know that you could even do that. But still, right now, obviously, you can hire a full assistant team, a full I mean you can you can oh, do yeah. all of that. Well right? they turned it into a real business. Like that I did it as sort of a lark, but then these companies I worked with became uh catered to Westerners who are too busy and uh but now there's also in home sourcing, you know, you can hire people in the United States. Uh so I still do it. I still, you do. Not, not as much, you know, I don't argue with my wife <laughs> yeah. through them, but like they just typed in my whole, um, uh, you know, phone list. Uh, and yeah, it is, uh, it, it, delegating is, I still feel I could get better at it, but I do think that is one of the secrets to success. Oh, delegation. Yeah, I agree. It's so hard. Um, and then I guess, I mean, what would you say was the, lesson learned from that article from doing that well, like two, is it for, i would say two things one yeah. delegation yeah. again uh just being able to let go even if they don't even if the people you delegate to don't do it as well quote unquote as you would it just saves you so much time yeah and energy uh to devote to other things that could earn you a lot more yeah and the second is i was blown away by the the hustle i know yeah. that's a Back then, it wasn't as much of a phrase, but now... Now it sure is. It sure is. Yep. But the hustle of these people in Bangalore who yeah. were like, they wouldn't... And I asked some ridiculous What crap. was the most ridiculous thing? Uh, well, I did. I tend to worry too much. It's something I fight. Yeah. And I said to them, "Would I'm really worried about this deadline. Would you just take an hour out of your day and worry for me? Oh, yeah. And they did it. And the weird thing is, it worked. Yeah. I was like, I'd start to worry, and then I'd be like, you know what? They've got this covered. Because worrying <laughs> is such a waste of time. 
Did they write pro- you and say like, hey, just yes. check in, we're still worrying? Yeah, they would say like, <laughs> give me your report every day and like worried for an hour about your deadline. I was like, thank you. And uh, so it was crazy, <laughs> but it also, it works because worrying, you got to realize it's not, thinking about solutions is fine. Yeah. But like going over the problem yeah. over and over is like the worst. It's just like, I think one day if I ever become some eccentric, very rich person, I'll just have a full-time worrier. It's a great you know idea. Because I, mean? I feel like if it's psychologically really helped, even a little bit, yes. it's worth it to just have like someone who follows you around worrying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how are you, how you looking? Still worried. Okay, we're good. You know what I mean? I think it's a great idea. Oh, that's cool. Um, what, what was the, did you say there was two? Was there two big things? The two takeaways were uh, delegating and uh, uh, delegating and hustle. Yep. Those are the And just kind of like by hustle, you mean just seeing how... Well, I was thorough inspired. they were. You yeah. see, like well, inspired shit. by the fact that they uh, would do anything. Like yeah. they were, they were gonna, you know, make this work, even if my requests were absurd. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they were inspiring. Yeah. Would you say for me, uh, as a thirty-year-old sort of hardworking entrepreneur, would you ever suggest I? Do something like have a have someone in India working for me on that level. Like, would you recommend it to someone? I guess is what I I'm totally at. would. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be India. The one thing I found is sometimes the language problem was yep. uh, like you know I remember I asked for wax paper to like you know for the kitchen and they sent me a wax mustache strip or a remover <laughs> yeah. for my wife and she was offended. So I would say be be a little careful of the language barrier, but so you can hire people in the United States yeah. or, or for you know English first language um, uh, might be more efficient. But yeah, absolutely, because the I read some really interesting study about how you know when I I do we have a housekeeper and I do feel guilty because it's like I should be doing this shit myself, like yeah. I should be vacuuming. But then you read these studies that like in terms of your own happiness and your own productivity. Yeah. It is the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Just because you can use that time. And uh so, you know, I do think to a hundred years in the future, people will look at the fact that we hired housekeepers uh-huh. as like the equivalent of slavery. Uh-huh. They'll be like, How the hell did these people um But what do you think the alternative them? will be? Robots. Oh, I yeah, mean, it'll yeah, all be yeah, robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah, all man. be AI. And you're right. So that I'm sorry, I don't live in that time, <laughs> and I feel guilty. Yeah. So that, but you apologize, and but in uh, yeah, in terms of my own life and productivity, so important. Yeah. I, it it is money well spent. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, even when Tim was Tim wrote about how, what he did, I because he did it with one person or something. Didn't he do it on a small level in four hour work week? Yes, he so, took what I did, and yeah, he did it. I think it did the same thing. It might have been the same people, but yeah. Yeah, even reading that, I was like, man, that's interesting. Because Danny, this is my assistant, Danny, who right? is not only uh, I don't mean to replace you. Danny. Handles everything, <laughs> handles everything, but has learned fully how to run and manage Pro Tools and take notes during the podcast, and it's done an incredible job. But what I guess got me about it was like the other side of the world element and the amount of stuff that these people could handle from the other side of the world. Right. Cool. Yeah, it was inspiring. I mean, it made me nervous for my kids who were you know, going <laughs> yeah. to be in high school. I'm like, you guys got to hustle because the world is 
somewhat flat, you're not going to you know, yeah. get a, a free ride. You've yeah. got to work. Um, what was next? Bible? I did one. Yes, exactly. I think that's the first one I'm going to read. Okay. I think that I'll just seems it. like the most. What one did the best? That did the best. Yeah, okay. And they're turning it into a TV show on ah, CBS. So, cool. so um, yeah, and that one, as I mentioned earlier, it, ha it was incredibly painful at times, but also it did change my life for the better with a lot of the takeaways. Yeah. Like, you know, that uh, another one was gratitude. Again, that reinforced the gratitude idea. Because but, of what? Because of how difficult some of the things were? Well, actually, because the Bible says you got to be thankful for mm -hmm. everything. So I took that literally. So I'd press the elevator button and be thankful the elevator came. I'd get in the elevator, be thankful it didn't plummet to the basement and break my collarbone. So it was like hundreds of things a day. And it was a very weird way to live and not necessarily practical. Yeah. But it also taught me there are hundreds of things that go right every day. Yeah. And we totally take them for granted. You know, the fact these microphones are working apparently, yeah. this chair is comfortable, like... Uh, and we would, I would only focus on that if the microphone broke. But so you've got to change your perspective and be th thankful for things that go right. So that was a big, that was a big one. And then the second one, there were a lot, but I'll just give you one other one that really affects me to this day, which was the idea of. Uh, there's a great phrase. It's not in the Bible. I didn't make it up. Uh -huh. the, the founder of Habitat for Humanity came up with it, and uh -huh. it is. It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Uh -huh. So I wanted to, you know, the Bible says, be a good person, don't gossip. So I had to force myself, it was like an acting job, force myself to pretend to be good, act as if I was good, you know, go force myself to go visit a friend in the hospital. And your brain eventually catches up and it's yeah. like, oh, all right, I am. I'm visiting someone. I'm a pretty good person. So acting your way into a new way of thinking as opposed to the other way around. And that, some of that stuff stuck with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still do it even with confidence. Like, I don't think I'm necessarily a confident, naturally confident person, but I, I pretend I'm confident. Yeah. Like I do things as if I were confident yeah. and then it catches up. That's so cool. It's something that I, the, uh, from these books that I'm reading, that's another reoccurring thing and like you know i even like i have a list every day of sort of the baseline of what i should do every day to have a successful day meaning drink a certain amount of water uh read at least something uh uh stretch meditate but one of the things is calling or texting my mom oh that's you know? so nice and it's like i notice now so now every morning i text my mom and say good morning mom love you whatever um, and now it's become a habit and it means so much to her. That and nice. I realize now that when I look back, there would be two weeks at a time when I didn't talk to my mom, you know, cause I just wasn't thinking and yeah. I was busy. I met well, love my mom to death, but you just don't <laughs> think about it. Right. I love that. Yeah. And there's That's like these little one. things that, that you can, and I hate to like, at first, if my mom were on text, I would do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, just a <laughs> quick call or right? yeah, you know yeah, yeah. maybe send a letter once a week, like right. something interesting, you know, because at first it felt weird to me to make it a task because it right. felt like it took away the meaning. Uh -huh. But what happened, well, you realize it's similar to what you're saying. It's you have to do that to get in the habit. Once you get in the habit, now it just becomes a new way that our relationship is. And it's great. Right. You know, but it's That's cool. So well, you know, it reminds me because one of my articles, all these readers wrote me, you know, you're making your wife's life a pain in the ass with your beard and all that. Why don't you do a, a month where you're like the perfect husband? So I tried that. And one of the things I learned is exactly that. I Every day 
I would buy her some little trinket like crappy gift um, and bring it to her. And it, she liked it, but it also worked on me because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm buying my wife gifts. I must really love her. Yeah. And it kind of made yeah. me like realize, oh, yeah, I do love her. What was that called? What was that article called? Which one? The one uh, about? The wife one. Oh, I think it was called um, My Life as a... As a whipped, it yeah, was all it was something whipped. whipped. Yeah. I, knew, I, just, I just remember it was something whipped, <laughs> something really funny, like the world's most whipped man. Or, exactly, you know? <laughs> that was it. Um, but some of that stuck with you too. Yeah, I do ah, think. interesting, man. I do think it made my marriage better. I'm just really interested in the idea of like being able to sort of craft, obviously to an extent, um, to make yourself a better person, right? I won't say yeah. the perfect person, but let's say make yourself a better person. And I think like what's interesting is all of these studies and everything that shows like it's kind of like that. It's like if you sat down and made a list of like, well, here's what would make me a better person. I need to talk to my parents more. I need to spend more time with my friends. I need to whatever. And force yourself to execute them. It slowly snowballs mm -hmm. and you feel the benefit of being that person. Whereas we kind of, the normal way to look at life is like you just are that or you aren't. Right. I don't Like I don't know. I just, I talk to my mom every day or I don't. As opposed to saying, like, this is a habit, like, brushing my teeth, I'm going to create. I love that it's idea. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by it, because I think that, like, if that's true, I'm on this mission right now where I'm slowly just trying to execute and improve that list. Mm -hmm. Because in theory, 10 years from now, we should meet up, and I should tell you what my day-to-day -day life looks like. You should be like, you're the most incredible person I've ever met. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, on a baseline, you're an incredible right. person. Because in theory, you can do that. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Well, well I love that idea. And we'll I think you're absolutely right. Like doing the action and then the mind catches up. Yeah. That it's really is the, the key. And and it's not a new idea. It's like, you know, in cognitive behavioral psychology, it yeah. talks about that. Um, but And even in the Bible, there's this line, you know, that if you smile, that it will make you happier. Yeah. And there's, there's scientific studies that... They put people, they force people to smile and yeah. it sort of triggers the brain. How about the one, I forget what this was in, but the one about where they, someone pretend like they had to tie their shoe or something and they hand, it's like, you hold my coffee and the ones with the warm coffee. Um, did you read that? I did read about some, well, tell me the end of that. So I think it was at Harvard or Yale or something. They did a study where in the elevator, somebody had a cup of coffee. They said, hold on, I have to tie my shoe. Will you hold this for me? And half of the group, they gave warm coffee, and half of the group, they gave cold coffee. And then when they went into the room, they asked them to judge, I believe, the person who asked them to oh, hold it. Oh, interesting. Uh, what type of person they were. Right. And the majority with the warm coffee said they were, uh, you know, warm, inviting, nice, happy person. Right. And the people with the cold coffee majority said they were sort of off-putting or cold, and it was the same response. So can right? we use that? Like, can we just hand people warm Absolutely. cups whenever we... How's your like, day going? I should... <laughs> I should have come in here with a warm cup you of coffee. With uh, MDMA in it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have Just a really warm done cup it. of MDMA and everyone will love you everywhere you go. <laughs> that, is, that is news you can use. That is very useful tip. Um, yes, I want to use that. Um, so then, can I ask you this? What was the most absurd part of the uh, of the... Did you already answer that? Did you already say it was the beard? What was the most absurd part of the Bible? um book or, there or research? was oh yeah i mean there was the bible i i don't think i talked about this yet now i'm losing my mind but the uh, bible says well one thing the bible says is that it's got some great laws like love your neighbor yeah. and don't murder that seems good but it's yeah. also got some weird ass laws like the bible says that if two men are in a fight 
Uh-huh. And the wife of one of those men grabs the private parts, the testicles of the other man. You have to cut off her hand. So that's like, wow, that's a specific law. Yeah, and I was that a common occurrence back then. Well, or? I think what happened was the guy who was writing Leviticus, like he must have been in a fight, and the other guy's wife just grabbed him. And he's like, "This is not never good. again." God is gonna say, this. <laughs> "You are hand, your hand will." So I that one I follow by not getting in a fight with yeah. another man good whose answer. wife was standing. Yeah, there that's a good. But yeah, there were definitely. I mean, there were some. That's what I, I loved about the Bible is that there's some great wisdom and there's some crazy talk. Yeah. And that I you really have to engage with it. And part of the idea was people who say, oh, I follow everything in the Bible. Oh, really? Like, do yeah. you really? No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You cherry pick like everyone else. And that's okay. Yeah. But just admit it. That's so cool. When's that TV show going to happen? That comes out in January. How exciting. Yeah. That's it's big. Crazy. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, they took my idea, but... I didn't write it. So if it's wonderful, I will then take all the credit. Yep. But if, it, if it it's bad, work, we never talked about it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Um, so why don't we get to the one that's about that just came out? You said it came out two days ago? Two days ago. Damn. Right. So, okay. So for the sake of the podcast, it came out five days ago. Um, and this one, it's all relative. You, From what I gather, you sort of explored how almost everyone in well, how everyone's related right? through some weird chain of something. And you also, if I read correctly, you went and tracked down celebrities that you were related to and it's like, true. took pictures with them and stuff. Well, that was, yeah, part of it was that it's like the ultimate LinkedIn, it's yeah. like the ultimate social network. Yeah. Like you can figure out how I'm related, you know, like, hey, Daniel Radcliffe, you're my third grade uncle's fifth cousin. Yeah. You know, I wanted to interview you for my book. You yeah. think, uh, and he'd be like, oh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I mean, I guess we're related. Yeah, I mean, some people were like, you know, you got a, re- a restraining order, but <laughs> some people were very open to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, it's like a, a lot about connection and that we're all connected. Uh, the ultimate, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And that that can make our lives better. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's some fascinating studies that show like, if you tell Palestinians and Israelis, this was a Harvard study last year, yeah. that how closely related they are, they are kinder to each other. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to stop all wars, but this idea of building a family tree of the entire world where everyone is on the tree, which is happening right now. Somebody's doing that. Yeah. Well, I, I helped. I mean, that was part of the book was helping to build a family tree of everyone on earth. It's like right now it's at 100 200 the biggest one is 200 million people all connected all in 60 countries in every ethnicity all connected so it's this idea it's like the woodstock idea of like you know we're one big family but scientifically valid and uh and so that just inspired me and i wanted to explore family from every angle so i talk about you know black sheep or i talk about uh you know sperm donors who have 100 kids and uh I loved it. It was fascinating because family is is wonderful and weird, and sometimes it can be incredibly harmful. But I think that um, in the end, it is uh, it is changing more now than ever before. And I really wanted to just do a deep dive. Yeah, and you did the world's biggest family reunion. Well, that was part of it. When I realized now scientifically we can prove that we're all related, I was like, why not throw 
a party for my seven billion cousins. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I did not get 100% uh, attendance, yeah. but we got thousands of people. It was also a lesson in like inspiring people to be a part of this crazy movement. So I got literally 10,000 people around the world to celebrate at the same time and sing We Are Family and uh, with Sister Sledge who was actually there, yeah. uh, rest in peace, she recently died, Joni Sled. Do you know how you related to her by any chance? Oh, yeah, sure, I figured that out. You did? Yeah, yeah, you got to. Uh, and, you know, we were like 14th, we weren't that close. Yeah, but, yeah, I know, but uh, that's the whole point. But that's the whole point. Yeah. So the idea was, yeah, and it was it was, it was, was kind of wonderful. It was very stressful. I don't know how event people do it. Yeah. But it was also wonderful at the same time. How freaking cool <laughs> how what's the process of like when you when a book comes out two days ago like how long until you get like numbers or like how does that work i should be getting numbers soon really uh i mean it is interesting because it's a whole new world so yeah. you got again like i said with the encyclopedia the lesson is you have to be flexible because for my first book it's a totally different game like yeah. even podcasts now yeah for, thank god for podcasts because you can talk it used to be you go on a network TV show and you got three and a half minutes yep. to try to summarize the points and they're just there's no way you can do this. Yeah. Some of them are subtle and uh, so I do, will say I am a huge podcast. Yeah, fan. same. So thanks so for, cool. for doing one. Thanks for doing it. Um, okay, so the big the big enders that I always ask is my first question is you've You've done all these crazy things. It seems like you've sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you kind of just, to a degree, go with the flow, right? Like you come up with these ideas and you say, this could be great, and you just sink yourself into it, whether it's for a whole year or however long. You right. don't really have any hesitation once you find something you really like. I guess what my question is is sort of like, what's next? Or what do you see? Do you have any sort of like long-term thing that in your mind you're you're building or you know where do you go from here do you keep doing good question different well i'll give you the, the short-term answer is i i am doing another book uh that was due two weeks ago so uh -huh. I'm a, but it's sort of in a similar vein i i take something i love my uh -huh. daily cup of coffee and i try to thank every person who helped make it possible so i went to columbia and thanked the guys who grew the beans the, the truck drivers, the logo designers, the guy who made the tires and the rubber. For, so the idea is thousands of people are involved in every little thing. So, yeah. and I've loved doing that. It's just very inspiring. Like how do you thank them? Like personally? Yeah, I try to go and thank, or email or call. Yeah. Um, so that's next. But in terms of long, long term, I I do love doing this. I've, I've now, in terms of making decisions about my life, I do have this little structure that i have in my yeah. brain which is uh i think i have four quadrants and one is will this make me happy now will this make me happy in the future like sometimes things are painful in the present but yeah. they'll make you happy in the future and so that's two the f other two are will this make the world better now and will this make the world a better place in the future uh and that one Again, in my 20s, I never thought about those other two quadrants. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not, I'm, as I say, I'm still probably a very petty person like most people. <laughs> yeah, you're doing but I'm trying. Good. And I try very hard to work on those other two quadrants. So the trick is you have to have a yes in one, in one of both. Yes, exactly. So happy now or happy later. Better now, better later. Right. As, one I, in both. To me, the two that are important is 
later and making yourself happy later and making the world a better place later. Yeah. Uh, and being, being able to sacrifice those first two quadrants. But yeah, to me that, and, and it, I don't also don't want, uh, there's a selfishness to, to altruism, like feeling like you are actually doing something good makes you feel good. So it's like, you yeah. know, there is a selfish aspect, which I think is great. I'm glad evolution made us feel happy when we do. That's true. How cool, man. Um, okay, my last one is I usually would say, what would you tell your childhood self? Like, what would you tell 14-year-old AJ? But I want to rephrase it a little bit because I feel like you have such an interesting perspective on all of these different things, like from being the world's best husband to being Jesus Christ to being, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, my question is sort of like, after all of these tests that you've put yourself through and all these things that you've learned and these things that you've practiced, what would you just tell kind of, I guess, young people in general? Hmm. You know, or like, you know, we're in right. like the college range. Right. But, you know, is it like, is it to experiment with new things? Is it to, you know, picture the life that you want and try to live it? Or, you know, like after all of this stuff, I just feel like you have such an interesting perspective. Well, thanks, man. You know, because not many people have said, I'm going to just be perfect to my wife for a year how long was it for a that month? was only for a month. a month and i chose february the shortest month so. let me tell you what let me tell you a story one time i was bowling with my ex-girlfriend and uh she was doing really well and she wasn't that good and i'm a pretty good bowler and i was having a terrible game and i said you know what i think on frame like seven i said you know what if you beat me uh i'll buy you fly i'll bring you flowers home every day for a month and she beat me and i lasted six days <laughs> And I, and I stopped. And I, I, I mean, there was a couple yeah, other fun. random days where I did it, but like the fact that you are able to immerse yourself into these things and really do it is incredible. I, in that's theory, hilarious. I was going to do it too, yeah. but it didn't, it worked for six days. So that's, you, I guess that's. Well, I would say, I mean, it's a great question and I like to think about it a lot. Uh, it's hard for me to choose because I do feel uh, passionate about these things that I've learned. I, I mean, one was one we've talked about which is just the, the being okay with this incredible rate of failure in life and reading the encyclopedia and seeing all these people, you know, the inventor of uh, the Xerox uh, copier was rejected by 25 corporations before he got to Xerox. Uh, and just having that, you know, that grit and being able yeah. to accept rejection without taking it personally, that is so important. I will say you also want you don't want to be totally delusional yeah. and like spend your entire life yeah. pursuing something crazy. That's a hard line. It is a hard line. Mm -hmm. But uh I think I I encourage people to be okay with rejection and it's so hard as you yeah. say like cuz you take it so personally That's but try hard. I mean, almost try to distance yourself like be like you know uh, well, they weren't, re they weren't rejecting me. They were just, you know, put it on them. Yeah. Say like they had a bad taco, fish taco yeah. for lunch and yeah. like they're lost. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Huge. I love it. Um, thank you so much for making this happen, especially so late on a Sunday. I loved it. Um, anytime you want to come back on here or you have a new book or you anything, please let me know anything I can do to help promote or to whatever. I'm going to get this one and the, and the the Bible one and read those first and I'll be sure to post them and do Bless all that. You. But I really appreciate you uh, making this happen. I loved it. It was a great conversation. Thank um, you. Any 
tell people what to look for, where to go, where to, I mean, go get the new book. It's all relative. It's all relative. And then um, my website is ajjacobs.com and I'm Twitter is at ajjacobs. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Great. You're the man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there it was. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it. Lots of good information. He's a really interesting guy, a really smart guy. He's read the entire encyclopedia. He has just so many little facts and interesting things, and it's really, really cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Go check out his books. I just got It's All Relative, and I'm starting it right now. Um, don't forget, sign up for the newsletter, ynr.la slash drama. First one goes out tomorrow morning, and check out the new series group chat on youtube.com slash drama drama also it's available in podcast form if that is what you prefer and since you're already here i'm guessing you know how to find the podcast it's called group chat thank you guys so much you're the best next week is the big episode that everyone keeps asking about with tim ferris um it was amazing it was two hours long the only holdup was we wanted to release it around the release of his new book. So his new book comes out on Tuesday and the podcast drop drops on Wednesday. So next week you got Tim Ferriss. Thank you guys so much. And I will be back. <laughs>